Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start reading verse number 17. And I'm going to preach to you this morning about the Christian walk. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, I said verse 17, and we will start there, but I'm going to read verse 1 as well. Verse number 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Then he tells you how to walk worthy. With all lowliness, that's point number 1 of some sermon you might preach someday. Meekness, that's point 2. With long-suffering, that's point 3. Forbearing one another in love, you can make a couple points out of that, amen. Endeavoring, there's another point, amen. If you want to learn how to walk worthy of the vocation, how about some endeavorment, amen. I don't know if that's a real word or not, but some of you need some of that. Endeavors, amen. Some of you endeavor to get rich. Some of you endeavor to tell your best friend what your other best friend done. We need to pray for him. We need to pray for her. You don't know. I just can't wait to tell you what I heard or what I seen. Now, if you're in the case of John where he said, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. That's talking about the gospel. That ain't talking about what your neighbor did. Amen. You're supposed to be discreet about that. Love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. Oh, that's a great mystery. Christians think that verse is a great mystery. How can love cover a multitude of sins? That's you keeping your mouth shut for, for one. Amen. 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 I just want to make sure I wasn't the only one that heard what I just said. Amen. Because that's true. You've got to endeavor to do that. But at any rate, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's another, that's another point in that sermon, how to walk, amen. And so the verse goes, the, ver- the chapter goes on down to verse number 17. It does the very same thing for the opposite. And he says, this I say therefore, testifying the Lord that ye henceforth walk not. Now that's the flip side, isn't it? Verse 1 is that you ought to walk worthy. That's how you ought to walk. And he gives you the description after that. Of course, it don't end in verse number 3, you understand. Verse number 4, 5, and 6 goes on and tells you some more about that. Verse number 7 on down through verse number 17 gives you another aspect telling you about how do you how you to go about some of those things, the lowliness, the long-suffering, the unity of the Spirit. And so there's some good explanations there. But then verse 17, it says, This I say therefore in testifying the Lord that ye henceforth walk not. So the positive is verse 1 and following. The negative is verse 17 and following. Amen? So Brother Mike, we want the positive message this morning. You should have been here the last three years. I'm pretty positive in my estimation. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll start in verse 17 and talk about our Christian walk. Lord, we do thank you this morning for your goodness and grace. And I do pray again, as it's already been said a couple of times this morning, that you'd give us that in which we stand need of uh, this morning, that you would help us and strengthen us, and God, give us the virtue that we need. God, it says in the, uh, the first Peter chapter, second Peter chapter 1 that we're to add to our faith virtue, and sometimes we know what's right, and we believe what's right, but 
how to go about that, God, is very difficult without the power of God, the strength of God. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to build through discipline some virtue. And I pray, God, that you'd give us principle and that you'd make us a principled people. And no, no person without principle can have rights and maintain them. And I pray, oh God, that you'd help us as a church, help us as a city, and help us as a nation, God. Help us as a state. Lord, to be principled men and, and Lord, to do what's right in the sight of God. And it all starts with one message. It all starts with one truth and obedience to it. Now, thank you, God, for all that you do. Help us to build upon these things, God, as we go forth in our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Sometimes you don't know what the bounds are. See, we know what's right, don't we? I mean, as, as far as generally speaking goes, our nation wasn't converted in this generation. Our nation was converted long as far as the Christians are going. God don't convert nations in the New Testament. God deals with nations in the Old Testament. God deals with nations in the millennial reign and on out into eternity. But in this case, God's dealing with individuals. But as far as that goes, our nation has, has been largely Christian for a long time. If, even if they weren't born again, they were professing Christians. And the principles of that book that all Christians adore have been disseminated. They've been saturated out into the general public. And we've known what's right and what's good and what's positive for a very long time. To whom much is given, much is required. Amen? And the American society has no excuse when it stands before God about, what, about knowing what's right and what's good and what's moral. It has no excuse. Amen? Right. You say, Brother Mike, I don't know. Well, you've got no excuse for not knowing. Right. Amen? Right. And when people stand before God, they'll say, I don't know. But he'll say, you had a chance to know. And that's clear from the scripture. I'm not being harder than the scripture requires. The Bible says, seek and ye shall find. Many a missionary has been called because somebody in out the outer darkness of this world has said, God, I want to know who you are. And God sent, amen? So what we could say about this idea of walking with the Lord what we could say about the Christian life and how we ought to perform it, we could say a lot on the positive side. What we know about the positive, we usually add to, and we usually allow more than what we are allowed. Have you ever heard the expression, give them an inch and they'll take a mile? Well, the Christian church is about 10 miles past the, past the boundaries in many cases. Not in all cases, but in many cases, we've gone too far. You ever heard that expression? You've gone too far. Amen. 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 There ought to be some things in your life that's too far. My old preacher used to preach a sermon called the point of no return. There is a point of no return with God, and I believe there ought to be a point of no return to you. Amen. You ought to have some boundaries. God has boundaries. When he says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not, that's a commandment. Amen. A commandment always points out the possibilities. Think about that for just a minute. God would not have given you this commandment if it wasn't a possibility that you would do what he's about to tell you. So that's what the commandments were about. Thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal. God would have never gave you those commandments if it weren't a possibility. And by the time God gave the commandments, in Exodus chapter 20, men had already broke all of those laws. But God gave you those laws that he might wake up in your own mind 
as the Bible says in the New Testament, that sin would become exceeding sinful. When you see the commandment, you ought to say, well, there's a real possibility that I could get caught up in something like this. Amen? So there ought to be some boundaries, and God sets boundaries, and you ought to have boundaries. And you ought to set those boundaries and stand for those boundaries, even if the rest of the world won't stand with you. If they say, hey, you're just a bigot because you've got those standards, then be a bigot, but stay on the safe side. Amen? You're closed-minded. Well, be closed-minded. Just stay on God's side of the boundaries. Amen? You live outside the boundaries, you're living in danger. You say, Brother Mike, I don't like this kind. I don't like that kind. Listen, if you're on the wrong side of the boundary, you're in danger. Amen. That's why farmers put up uh, fences and barriers around their livestock because they get out there in somebody else's boundaries. Amen. The Bible said God made of all men one blood, but he said at the same time, he said he set the bounds of their habitation. And that's a great boundary. You say, are you a separatist, Brother Mike? I'm a separatist. Amen. You say, you think, don't you think we ought to take in people from all over the world if they want to convert? Amen. I'm talking about convert to Americanism. I'm talking about uh, converting to Christianity. If you're not going to do those two things, I'd rather you not come to our country. Amen. Amen. You say what? That verse of Scripture that talked about the one blood and setting the bounds of their habitation, habitation said that they'd be able to know the Lord, that they'd be able to find the Lord. Amen. You get mixed up. Listen, if you're a Chinese and you get mixed up with a bunch of Americans, you'll be out of your mindset. You'll be out of your culture. You'll, ha- you'll be out of your disposition. You'll be out of kilter. You might not ever find the Lord. Right. Amen. Take an American, put him in China. He'll be out of sorts. He'll be trying to fit in with the Chinese rather than sit, fit in with God. God's a segregationist. And you can take that and make it mean anything ugly you want to. But if I'm ugly about that, then God is ugly about that. Because he said he set the bounds of their habitation. And you go home and look up the verse. Hmm? You don't want me to do all your Bible study about everything. It is in the book of Acts, I'll tell you that much. I can't remember the exact, uh, the exact verse numbers about it. But I'll tell you, what is it? 1726, there it is. You can go home and look it up for yourself. God said you'd have the best chance to know him if you stayed with your own people. Thank you very much. You say, what is that? That's boundaries. The safe side. You know why Christians live in such danger today? They live outside the boundaries. God said, do this, and you'll do it if you want to. God said, don't do this. And you can't tell me what to do. I'm saved by the grace of God. People have a fundamental misunderstanding of what the grace of God is. Amen. Amen. God's riches, uh, God's, uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. That ain't the definition of grace. The definition of grace is you unworthy, and He took time to fool with you anyway. <laughs> Amen. God, hey, God's grace is that you you were His enemy, and He come and done exactly the opposite of what you would have done with your enemy. He come and drew near to you. Amen. Made a way for you to escape. Made a way for you to get right. Made a way for you to survive after you've done committed sins worthy of death. Everyone, everyone, everyone. What a good and graceful God we have. Amen. So we're talking about boundaries this morning. Somebody walks up to you on the workplace and they got a long line of curse words. Now listen, let me 
suggest just a little bit of common sense. Let me suggest a little bit of grace of your own accord. People, people that are sinners, they sin. They cuss, they drink. They're going to do all those things. But there's boundaries even in grace. There's boundaries even in mercy. Like, for instance, if I was around an old fellow that was drinking or if I was around a fellow that was cussing, I'd do my best to be a friend to him and treat him as a neighbor and, and be honest with him and all these things. But there's certain things, just as if in your own home you'd have boundaries, you wouldn't put up with a fox taking your, your hens. You'd kill the fox. And just in that same example of, of reasonable boundaries, if somebody took the name of the Lord in vain, I'd say, hey, how about not saying that no more? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Amen? Amen? There'd be a boundary. Listen, I don't want to hear that GD every other breath. Amen? And you can do that in a way that's reasonable. Amen? You can do that. You say, what is that? That's a boundary. Amen? Somebody flirt with your wife, that's a boundary. Amen? Amen. We got to the place where everybody in, the, in America is a pervert. And you can't talk to somebody without, you know, expecting the worst. But listen, if you're Christians, you ought to be able to talk to one another and, and carry on a conversation, be kind with one another. And you, you, as a Christian, you shouldn't be suspecting of everybody, but you know what it is when it is. Amen. And there ought to be boundaries about that. Amen. I've had a fellow tell me, he said, I, I think you're jealous of your wife. Well, what of it since you brought it up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Now I'm more suspicious that you brought it up. Yeah. Amen. That being said, talk to her. You got a question for her, ask it to her. You want to know how she's doing, ask her how she's doing. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is there's boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You know, men and women alike, if you talk to them, you, well, they must love me. <laughs> Amen? John Adams, your second president, he said when he was a young man, he wrote in his journal that, hey, I've got this problem where if a female talks to me and shows me any kindness, I think I'm loved. <laughs> Maybe she wants to go to the Valentine's dance. You ought to remember in life that there's boundaries. Well, I was talking to this lady on Facebook, and she said, how are you doing today? And I thought that was the go sign for starting up a... Really? No, it's not. There's boundaries involved. If you know what the boundaries are before you get involved with anything, you'll be well off. Amen. See, I know what the boundaries are with hard liquor before I even get involved with it. I don't have to ask no questions about that. When it comes to my language, I know what the boundaries are. The Bible said, let no evil, no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. It says evil communications corrupt good manners. So listen, it's, it's, my, it's, my, it's to my benefit to stay on this side of the boundaries. I'm not going to play around with the boundaries of what I can say. There's a preacher standing right out here in the yard, and he said to me one of the most, one of the foulest words that you can think of about a female. I mean, he just said it right out loud. I was like, we're preachers. I'm a preacher. You're a preacher. Why is preachers talking this way? Yeah. They played around with the boundaries. Exactly. Played around with the boundaries. You know how these little teenagers, they'll get to smoking cigarettes? They're messing with the boundaries. 
messing with the bra- uh, with the brownies. <laughs> Let me preach on that a while, amen. <laughs> We've been messing with the ba- brownies, amen, messing with the boundaries. You get a fat belly, you've been messing with the boundaries of brownies. <laughs> that should come down from the heavens, amen. We ain't been messing with brownies. We've been messing with that Chinese food. Amen. Amen. Chinese food is no good, I'm telling you. Mm, Got to be careful. When you eat Chinese food, eat it close to the house. Amen. <laughs> Some of them will get that on the way home. Amen. Amen. It just runs through you. I'm messing around the boundaries right there. What you ought to say in the pulpit, I better ease back. Amen. <laughs> All right, go ahead and laugh it out. <clears throat> this I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Uh-oh, there's the boundaries. There ought to be a change between a Christian and a non-Christian. Amen. Amen. I don't have a problem with a lost man cussing. Amen. I got a problem with a Christian cussing. A lost man, and I'm not saying I enjoy his cursing. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying I expect it of him. He's lost after all. Amen. Listen, you get, if you're lost and you start saying some things that are offensive, I'll say, now, hey. God will teach you a better way than that. You get in a public place and I got my little children there and you start talking all loud. I say, excuse me, sir. I'd appreciate you be still over there. Amen. You don't want me to get up and sing how great thou art or amazing grace or preach you a message out of John 3.16 right here in this restaurant so I don't expect to hear no GDs out of you. Amen. Amen. But I might give you John 3.16 anyway, since, since you started it. Amen? Amen. Well, there ought to be some boundaries that way. But a Christian ought not talk like that. Amen. A Christian ought not act like that. A Christian ought not get caught drunk. Amen? Well, that's what he's talking about here. He says that you walk not as other Gentiles. He said, walk not as other Gentiles walk, and this is the way they walk, in the vanity of their mind. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you. I might have prayed already, but I still thank you and ask you to help me and direct my mind here for a few minutes, God, to preach what you'd have me to preach. And I thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. I think that Japanese food caused a little bit of senility, too. I think I prayed already, but that's all right. Let's read. That ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of the mind. Did you know that the Gentile and Jew alike, they got a vain mind? When you really get right down to it, uh, you ought to go back and read the book of Ecclesiastes sometime. The wisest man that ever lived said it's just vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What would would include uh, vanity? Well, the vanity of the mind, self-importance. That's what he's talking about. The, he, the, he said, you ought not to walk like other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. And boy, that's just self-centered, self-important, self-advantage. I, everything I do today is going to advantage me. We talked about that a little bit in Sunday school this morning. 
And he said, hey, if you consider the poor, if you consider the neighbor, your neighbor, he said, you'd be happy. A lot of Christians are searching for happiness. Oh, preacher, preach to me about how to be happy. I'd have to preach you a negative message if I did. You say, why? Because you ain't happy because of you. The vanity of your mind has clouded your mind. The vanity of your mind has convinced you that you're the only one important. I need. I, I need. I need. Catch how many times you catch yourself doing it. Hey, I'm going to go to church because I need a youth group for my children. That's not the right way. You need to be saved. That's a need you ought to be caring about. Amen. But the Bible says that you ought to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12. Amen. Amen. Self-advantage. Self, self-advancement. Amen. Galatians. Let me read a little bit out of Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in the fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. That's what you do when, when somebody else steps across the boundary. You consider yourself. You can learn a lot from preaching. You can learn a lot from reading the Bible. You can learn a lot from taking Bible studies, or you can learn a lot from Sunday school, but you can also learn a lot from considering yourself. See somebody else fall into some kind of danger? Set a boundary for yourself and say, that's too far from me. Amen? Somebody said, you ever going to go to California? Somebody was talking about going to California one time. I said, no, I ain't going to California. I ain't lost nothing in California. Don't know nobody in California. Don't plan on going to California. Amen? It's just like old Jerry Clower said. He said, you don't leave Yazoo, Mississippi and just drop by Los Angeles. It's too far. Amen? It's too far. God called me to be on the East Coast. You say, how do you know that? He born me in them mountains. That's how I know. And some things is obvious. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Amen. I think some of you from California, but praise the Lord. Amen. We're glad you converted, amen, but not going to California. They some strange rangers in California. Amen. Amen. We'll stay as far away from Hollywood as I can possibly be. Amen. Set some boundaries, amen. He said, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Then he said this, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, there's that self. What does he say you are? You're nothing. You're nothing. You're nothing. I made a little bit of money. Well, you've got, you're a nothing with a whole lot of money. Well, I've acquired a lot of things in this life. Well, you're a nothing that's acquired a lot of things. Congratulations. The Bible said that would happen. If you put your hand to the plow, you'd get a few potatoes. Amen. That's God's grace, by the way. God gave you the wood and the metal to make the plow. He gave you the dirt to plow. He gave you the seed to put in the ground. It ain't no wonder if you put a few seeds in the ground, you're going to get something back from it. In all labor, there's profit. We covered that again in Sunday school this morning. We covered that. That's God's grace. You ought to be glad. Amen? Amen. But he says, if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. That's the worst kind of deceived to be, is to deceive yourself. Just convince yourself. 
You know, some of you have convinced yourself that you're high and mighty. Some of you have convinced yourself that there's no remedy for that. There is a remedy for it. You know what you ought to do? You ought to stop listening to yourself. Amen. If you don't like something, you should probably try it. Amen. If you like something, it probably ain't no good for you. Amen. If you're disgusted, you're probably the problem. Amen. You know, that's the mystery of life, and, and I, I hadn't figured it out, but I found it out. Amen. I hadn't figured out gravity, but I found it out. Hmm. Just about everything I've ever hated or, 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 or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Everything I've ever put off or everything I've ever uh, stayed away from like vegetables when I was a boy turned out to be the best thing to eat. Everything I loved turned out to be bad for me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why we like bootleg liquor and chewing tobacco and boy I love chewing I love Copenhagen about the best tasting stuff I ever put in my mouth it's got that perfect flavor and bites your jaw it just ain't no good yeah. amen yeah. well it got quiet right there yeah. mm-hmm. some of you think I'm going to slip around to that Budweiser next mm-hmm mm-hmm I often want, the devil don't tempt you with persimmons. Amen. He tempts you with stuff that you think's good for you, but you ought not listen to yourself too good. Amen. If a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. You'll let somebody else tell you. The Bible said a man goes to war without counselors, he's a fool. If you're going to live this life without counselors, you're a fool. You say, well, I've been looking at it for many years. Yeah, but that's just one perspective. We could talk about that a while, but we won't be able to get on with the message. I wanted to point out that verse 3 right there. For if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. If you quit everything, now listen to me. I I need to get on with the message, but I want to say this as clear as I can. If you quit everything that you was doing just to be seen of men and just to get the approval of men, you'd have to change your whole life. People dress like other people want them to dress, and that's only okay if it's modesty. That's training. Amen? Amen? People do what they do just because everybody else expects it of them, and that's only good if it's living right. If it's within the counsels of God, if it's within the commandments of God, you ought to conform to those things. But most people wear, you know, I don't know, their pants hanging around the rear end because that's what society wants them to do. Well, that's wrong. Amen? That's wrong. But let every man prove his own work, then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone. In other words, people are trying to, they're listening to music so their friends will like them. They're dressing a certain way so their, and I'm sad to say, there's 50 year olds that do that. Amen? 
They're chasing a specific kind of house or a specific kind of car because it's a status symbol. Everybody needs to know. And if my friend will ride by and say, man, that's a nice house. That's got some curb appeal. Then everything will be okay. But it ain't okay. People with nice houses jump off of skyscrapers. People with large bank accounts commit suicide. Happiness not in fitting in and conforming to this world. Happiness comes from conforming to the Lord. Amen. But let every man prove his own work. Then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Amen. That's good preaching right there. If we stopped right there, it'd be good preaching, but I ain't stopping right there. I've got a few points I want to give you here out of Ephesians chapter 4 about walking the way Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Number one, it says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of the heart. Number one, they're ignorant. Christians are ignorant. Working on the book of Ephesians this morning, and I noticed something that goes along with this pretty good. It's Ephesians chapter 3. In verse number four, there's a neat little statement inside this verse that I think will be a blessing to you. Verse four, whereby when you read, you may understand. You just take that in itself. Hey, I don't understand what all this stuff is about. It's because you ain't reading God's word. That's why you don't understand. The Bible said if you read, you'd understand. Brother Mike, I don't know why you get up and preach about this and preach about that because I've been reading the Bible. Amen. God made me to see that the wages of sin is death. And after you get saved, the wages of sin is still death. Amen. Oh, but we're good Christians. Now, you're a bunch of low-down, good-for-nothing devils. That's what you are. If you could get away with more, you'd get away with more. That's what we do. I didn't say that's what you do. I said that's what we do. The heart is deceitful above all things, yea, desperately wicked. Inside the flesh of man is a monster. Inside the flesh of a man is a monster. I don't care if it's a saved man. I don't care if it's a deacon. I don't care if it's a pastor. I don't care if it's an evangelist or a missionary. Inside the flesh of a man is a monster straight from the pits of hell. Yes, sir. Missionaries molest little girls and boys. They surely will. You say, how do they get that? They get that by testing the boundaries. That's how they get that. Christians will go back and be sot drunks worse than they was before they got saved. How do they do that? They test the boundaries. That's what they do. They're not walking worthy and they're not worried one bit about walking unworthily. Mm -hmm. You you get up here in the vanity of your mind and start thinking about what you deserve and what ought to be done for you and what needs to be done for you and what you can get away with and how you can push the boundaries. Boy, you'd be worse off than you was before you got saved. The Bible says the last end of them was worse than the first. He said when the unclean spirit is going out of a man, man, it walketh through dry spaces. Boy, he goes back and tries to find that. He said, I'll return to my home. He says when he goes back, he finds it empty. Boy, if you've been saved, you better not have an empty heart. He said he finds it swept and garnished. Hey, when the Lord come in and saved my soul, he swept it out. He cleaned it out. Boy, he garnished it up. It looks a lot better than it did while I was lost. But if you don't put something in there, that unclean spirit will come back. You'll be worse than you was when you was lost. 
Amen. It'll be worse than it was before. You'll be pulling your hair out down by your bed saying, oh God, how did I get back to this point? Why did I do this again? And you got folks sitting in churches every Sunday morning who's, who's gone a long ways further than they ought to have gone. They went a long ways past the boundary than they ever should have went. They shouldn't have even got close to it. But they went farther and farther and farther and farther. And the whole time they're saying, preacher, tell me something good. And the good thing you ought to do is repent. The good thing is, the good thing you ought to do is back up away from the boundaries. Amen. Amen. Just like an old cow walk up to the gate. You got 40 acres of pasture. You got to stick your head through the fence and eat from the outside. Have you ever seen any cows around here? Hmm. This is the land of pine trees. You don't see many pastures around here. But you get somewhere where they've cut down the trees and sowed some grass and built a fence and put some cows in there. And you'll see them old cows get up next to the gate. They don't want to eat that grass that's inside. Mm-hmm. The church ain't good enough for you, is it? Mom and daddy's religion ain't good enough for you. Don't do nothing for you. I'm bored with it. I'm smarter than they are. You know what they say about sticking your neck out, don't you? You stick that neck out, somebody will chop it off. Amen. The the Bible says the devil walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right now this morning he's looking at you. He's looking at you. He's looking at young and old. He's looking at rich and poor. He says, I got them. If they'll just get close to the boundary, I'll get them. You're not, you're not supposed to live near the boundaries, amen? I thought you got saved. I thought that sinful life was a killing you. I thought that was what you was trying to escape from. Now you're going to go back and be brought under the weak and beggarly elements again? That's no life for you. I'm going to do it anyway. You're not going to be happy, I promise you that. You might be bored living a Christian life. Wait till you find the wages of sin is really death and see how you like that. I like bored better than dead. Amen? Mm-hmm. We're just trying to live a little bit. No, you're trying to die a little bit. The world says, man, we're really living now. No, you're really dying now. The billboard sign with the woman up on the board smoking a cigarette said, we come a long way. No, you come a long way, but it's in the wrong direction. Amen? Amen? And whether you're a man or a woman, you're safe right in the boundaries that God gave you. Amen. God gave you men some boundaries. God gave you some ladies some boundaries. You ought to stay inside of them. Amen. But I know more than my husband. God didn't ask you how much you knew. Amen. You men are the same way. I know more than the preacher. I know more than God. You step outside the boundaries, you're going to find out. You're going to find out. Amen. Amen. It's going to be rough. The way of the transgressors are hard. Whether you're a hard-headed man or a hard-headed woman, the way of the transgressors is hard. Amen. You wait till you you wait till you've uh, wallowed around in the filth of that television and the filth of that country music and the filth of that rock and roll music long enough. You'll be sitting around saying, "How did I get to thinking like this? I'm supposed to be a Christian." How did I, how did I come from a King James Bible back to this pornography? 
You say, well, my God's a graceful and a loving God. Yeah, but you've got to repent for He forgive you. The old question, one of the first real theological questions that anybody ever put to me was put to my daddy. And I think he knew the answer already. It was just a good lesson, I think. He said, uh, he said do I got to forgive people? I bet a bunch of you know the question. Do I got to forgive people that don't ask for forgiveness? That's the question. And, and the, the super... The super Christians go, oh, yeah, we've got to forgive everybody. No, that's because you know you need forgiveness, you old hound you. Amen? You know, you know what liberals are? They're people with a bad conscience. Mm-hmm. All these folks on television talking about the bad rich people, you know why that is? That's because they're millionaires. Bernie Sanders, we've got to give something to everybody. Well, how about emptying your bank account before you empty mine? I got $3 and you got $30 million. How about using your bank account instead of mine? Yeah. Amen. And do it willingly or you don't get no credit for it. Yeah. Amen. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Bunch of hypocrites. Folks say, well, I believe you ought to forgive everybody. That's because you've got something needs forgiven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You say, when am I supposed to give? Forgive. You're supposed to be willing to forgive at all times. You forgive when somebody asks you forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Somebody does you wrong and you throw yourself right back into it and open yourself up to it. You got nothing to complain about when they do it again. Mm-hmm. Ladies sitting around getting beat. This day and time, women getting beat up in their own homes. Some men getting beat up in their own homes. Well, I tell you what, if Ruth starts beating me up, she'll have to come down to the Star Motel and beat me up because I'm moving out. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I didn't say I was getting divorced. Getting beat up ain't legal grounds for divorce. Right. I ain't going to stay there. Right. Amen. Right. Yep. I'll be true to her until God knocks a knot on her head. Everything's so quiet. Maybe I need to look back here and find out if God did give grounds for divorce for getting beat up. I mean, I've read this thing a bunch of times. I ain't never found it yet. You know what's wrong with this country? She's tested the boundaries of the family and life, of the family home and, and the life that a married couple ought to have. Now it don't mean nothing no more. Amen? Amen. You want to ruin something, ruin God's boundaries. Step outside of God's boundaries, it'll be ruined. Society can't survive without mamas and daddies being together at home. Amen. 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 Just flip it now. The no-fault divorce and just come down here and give me your $30 and we'll end this thing. It ain't ended. It ain't ended. You say, what's the attitude about, Brother Mike? The attitude that I have about this thing is we've come to a place where people just sit around in the deviousness of their own mind and figure out a way to do whatever in the world they want to. But then, I'm talking about Christians now, they find a way to put their hands in the air and say, oh, how I love Jesus. But you don't love his principles. You know I'm a wicked man and a devious man. And got a ruined mind and a dark heart, but I can still raise my hand to God and say, you're right and I'm wrong. And if, if you said not to do something, I'm going to bow down to you and say, it ought not be done. You say, well, your flesh is not disciplined enough to do right all the time. That's my problem. It's not God's problem. 
I'm not going to try to convince myself in the vanity of my own mind that God will just bend his will to mine no matter what I want to do or what I want to think. It don't work that way. And the only reason he'll not leave me and not forsake me is because of his grace. He's not hanging around me because I'm a great fella. Well, that's what you say. Hey, brother so-and-so's a great fella. I'm going to hang out with him. He's going to be my buddy for the rest of my life. God ain't impressed with your personality. Hmm? Mm-hmm. The tighter it gets, the longer I'm going to preach. Amen. The vanity of their minds, he says. Ignorant. Ignorant. Blind, says Simon Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1. They're blind and cannot see afar off. That's what he's talking about here. He said, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in it. You don't know? You think it's right. I was raised this way. I grew up in a church that done it this way. (laughs) Give a flip what your pastor thought or did. It don't matter what I think or what I do. If I get outside the bounds of that black book there you got in your lap, I'm out of bounds. Amen. You spend so much time underneath a pastor and think because he does it this way, that's the way it ought to be done. This is the way it ought to be done. This right here is the way it ought to be done. Fully on your thoughts. Fully on your feelings if you don't like it. If you don't like it, lump it. Lump it, lump it, lump it. Look at the preacher up there throwing a fit. Look at you wallowing in filth. Amen. That's what this generation says. Oh, look at him. He's acting like a fool. That's what God, that's what God called. Amen. Fools. I think if you went to Bible school and learned some of these methods, you'd be... I'm not looking for no methods. I'm looking for God's will. Well, I think the very best way to go about it, the very best way to go about it is to go about it. Mm-hmm. How's that simple logic? I didn't need to go to the Greek to get that neither. Mm-hmm. But people's learned some Greek words and they've learned some Latin words and they've, you know, got a few, got an education and got a few letters behind their name and got the title of pastor or the title of evangelist and just because they got that, everything they say is gospel. It ain't gospel. Hmm. The Lord went to the masters of Israel and said, you don't know nothing. Amen. That's, that's the position that every person in this room right now ought to take. I don't know nothing. I've learned a whole lot since I got saved, and I'm more confused now than ever. <laughs> they told Paul, and maybe a, maybe a truer statement, I mean, it, it wasn't exactly true in his case, but maybe never a truer statement there was. Much learning doth make thee mad. Hmm? That could be insane or make you lose your temper. Either way, you want to take that verse of Scripture. They meant it like he was crazy. But a lot of Christians, they do. They read the Scripture and say, well, that's the way it ought to be done. That ain't the way they're doing it. We're mad. It's happened a few times. You say, well, how do you keep going then after that? Got to have grace. Well, God came into the world to save sinners. Here they are. Many of many a minister. Minister. 
Many of ministers quit the ministry because the people didn't live up to his expectations. No, that's where you stay. That's where you get in and grind. Hey, you won't sinner get right with God. Yeah. Preacher going, well, our people's not very good, so I, I'm kind of depressed, and my wife is depressed, and, you know, we just, no, 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 no. Get back in there and preach. That's who God sent you there for. But everybody, the Bible says in the last days they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. It didn't say they would have the itching ears. They had heap to themselves preachers having itching ears. Teachers having itching, itching ears. And tell me how good I preach. Boy, that's tell me how blessed you are. Tell me that I've made an impact. If I make an impact on your life, it's going to be with a jackhammer. <laughs> but that's what, oh, if I offend anybody, sit down, boy, be still. If you offend anybody, mm, they won't be back next weekend. God sent me here to help them. Mm-hmm. That's the new line of Jack Hammers, the Hammers, the helpline. Just go at it, amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. But you think you're standing, so you deserve a flowery message. And I hope you get one. I mean, I really hope you get to the place where you and God is walking in unity and in fellowship and doing the right thing. But all these grace messages are being preached today, they're still going home. Watching pornography. Yes, sir. Huh? All the grace messages you get still go home, lay out when you want to. Come to church when you want to. Read your Bible when you want to. Cuss when you want to. James said, blessings and cursings ought not come out of the same mouth. Just like bitter water and sweet water. You ain't going to catch no sweet water coming out of these spigots right around here. If it did, it'd be a lie. The well system said, look here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them think something's wrong. <laughs> Get a drink of water around here without 10 metric tons of sulfur in it. You'd think, something, you'd think the world was coming to an end. You say, why is it? Because that's sulfur in the well, that's why. It's in the ground out there. The rainwater soaks it up and deposits it in your well. Hmm. How's that dark water getting into your soul? That's what's coming out of the well. It ought not, it ought not be that way. Hmm. You too, you too good to serve God and too grumpy to get around any God's people. Amen? You say, what is that? You're alienated. You know who has to alienate Christians if a Christian gets alienated? You have to do it. From the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Well, I'm so ignorant because my preacher don't know anything. No, you're ignorant because you don't know something. There's no mistake in my mind at all that there's people sitting in this building that knows more than I do. No question about that at all. No question about that. You don't get knowledge from man. You get knowledge from God. Amen. But there's no question in my mind that some folks around here don't know nothing about God. 
and somehow completely content to sit around with a bunch of folks that supposedly do. Jude has something to say about that. Simon Peter has something to say about that too. They're happy to feast off of you. Amen. The ungodly come in among God's folks and just feast off of them. I learned about something while I was in the Marine Corps. I had three or four fellas in my little section there. They were Satanists. And they claimed to be spiritual vampires. They said, we don't suck blood. We suck energy from other people. We, we, we're going to live our life by taking advantage of other people. And that's when they, somebody gets around you and they say, they say, well, I sure am feeling bad. Oh, what's the matter? Go ahead and tell me. I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, well, let me just tell you what so-and-so done to me. Oh, yeah, you're completely right about that. That people, they live just like that. Spiritual vampires, they call themselves. You've got a bunch of them standing right here behind this pulpit, right here behind. Oh, just tell me what's the matter with you. And I'll give you the remedy. You're right, of course. And they're all out against you. Now, you're in the same crowd as them. Mm-hmm. You know what that does? When I come to you and I say, Oh, you know what's wrong with me. And you say, Oh, you're right. You know, who that ma- you know what that makes you? That makes you the king of my joy. Mm-hmm. Now that I, now that, you, you, you want to know, listen, you want to know how, you want to know how to, Manipulate somebody. I'm going to tell you how to do it. If you go off and do it, you'll answer to God for it. But I'm going to tell you how it's done. This is how you do it right here. You come over here to your brother. How you doing, brother? Things good, man. I'm so glad to see you. Man, I love you. And you do that to him for about six or eight months. Then you stop talking to him. Mm-hmm. You know what that'll do? Set the hook. Mm-hmm. Now they do whatever you want them to do. You say why? Because you, you, you a vampire. You just leached off of him. You got to singing his favorite song, "How Great Thou Art." Mm-hmm. That's what preachers are doing. Go ahead and play around the boundaries. Matter of fact, forget the boundaries and do whatever you want to do because God loves you. I'll tell you what God ain't. He's not your psychic vampire. He'll just come out flat and say, look, you ain't worth nothing. The stark difference between the angels and the Lord is when men fell down at the angels' feet, who in the estimation of a man must be worth worshiping because they always do it when they get around one. The angel said, get up, get up. Get up, get up. And the Lord, when men fell down in front of him, he said, you're doing just fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on today. Preachers set the hook on you. The prophets, the supposed prophets of God have infiltrated the pulpits and said, don't worry about the boundaries. All you got to worry about is, am I on your side? Mm. You good people. We don't shoot our own, do we? Hey, if I had a load of buckshot right here, I'd open it up on you. You're going to get right with God. 
Boy, I tell you, many a farmer motivated us to get out of their fields with a load of rock salt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't used to call the police, there's some people in my yard. That's what this is. There's some people in my You got a load of rock, rock salt. Mm-hmm. 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 You know what that done? That set the boundaries on you, didn't it? Yeah, you, did, you didn't cut across Mr. Johnson's farm no more, did you? Now they'll thumb their nose at Mr. Johnson and say, to hell with you, I'll do what I want to. Call the police on me. They ain't going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Am I telling the truth or what? Now, if that's happening out there in society, I double guarantee that that's what they're doing in the pulpits because the pulpit is always going to set the measuring stick. You got people in the pulpit saying, hey man, I got to find a place to end this sermon. I'm going to finish it right here. Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. That's what I'm talking about. That You get near that boundary and it gets you in your mind, you just roll it over, roll it over. And you're past feeling, you're jaded. Well, God ain't happy with this. You console yourself in the fact that you're not happy with it. Well, I really don't like living this way, but the shape of those legs. I just can't stop thinking about it. That extra money I could be making, I just can't stop thinking about it. Oh, if I just, if I forsake the way I ought to be going, all these people are going to be hurt, and Lord, I'm going to not meet the expectations of the Lord, and Pretty soon that just that conscience gets seared and get past feeling. What's it going to cost me to lay out? What's it going to cost my children if I lay out? What's it going to cost my children if I go back to drinking? Well, you know, I could get drunk as a skunk and just ruin my life, but there's four little ones following behind me. Mm-hmm. I might could get through all my life. might could get through all my life chewing tobacco and not get no cancer or nothing bad happen. What's done is done. But it can take two of my children. Hmm? I could leave my, lay my Bible down and trust somebody else to give my children the answer. I might go through life and not see any of my children's demise. Chances are they'll be alive after I'm dead. Amen? Verse number 27, neither give place to the devil. Place in your mind, a place in your body, a place in your future, a place in your children. Verse number 28, let him that stole steal no more. That's reform. That verse is talking about stealing. Make no Don't have no question about that, but it's talking about reform. Well, I was a thief before I got saved. Make double sure you don't steal nothing afterwards. The verse is talking about reform. I never read my Bible before I got saved. Reform that to the positive side. Amen? I used to, he said, he talked about the vanity of your mind. I only used to live for my own pleasure, my own recreation, my own vices. No more. No more, Christians. No more. But I'll just love this stuff so much. No more. Discipline. The dirtiest word of this age 
discipline. We need it. Let's come to the altar this morning. The Lord spoke to your heart about a thing. Let's come. Let's come. Brother Nathan down here at the altar, so you come. You don't need a piano. God absolutely does not need the piano to work a work in your heart. Amen? Would you come this morning? You've been walking close to the boundary. I know you have. You say, how do you know I have? Because I have. It's a dangerous place. It's not a safe place. I would venture to say that every man, woman, boy, and girl in this building been walking close to the border, close to the boundaries. Would you put a check on that this morning? Would you arrest your slide this morning? Would you stop sliding in that direction and slide back towards God? Would you do that? Would you do that? Some of you need to do it. You need to do it for God's sake. You need to do it for your sake. You need to do it for your children's sake. For the love of God, find a place to find a place to rally around and get there. Get there with your family and hold on to that. Don't let it slide. Don't give it back. Get, get you a little ground and don't give it back. Rally, a rally point. Get yourself a rally point and stick there and stay there. God spoke to your heart. You do as he commands you this morning.